Hello, America. Hello. That's Finnish. That's Icelandic for hello. It's the Loftus Party. I am Michael Loftus. You have found it. Congratulations to you. We got a huge show this week, an absolute huge show. Uh, not only do we have Andrew Apple over there. Andrew, say hello. Hello. See, there you go. I didn't I didn't know you spoke Finnish. We also have uh, Stacy Lennox. Stacy Lennox, uh, um, a, a card-carrying member of the Loftus Party. How's it going, Stacy? Very good. I even have the T-shirt. You even have the – you know what I need to get? now? Okay, now we're talking about Loftus Party gear. We're talking about stuff that you can get on the loftusparty.com. Uh, I need to get one of those um, uh, computer cases. Those are cool, the shoulder bags. Yeah, no, my next, pur- next purchase is going to be the pint glass. I was thinking last night at a, as it was National Rum Day, and you, of course, have to you know partake of National Rum Day. Be was it really? really cool. Yeah, it was National Rum Day. Um, total Bacardi commercial kind of thing, but hey, why not? I was just thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great if this drink were in a Loftus party glass? There you go. So, so you were celebrating National Rum Day. We're mm-hmm. already off track, and I love it. I love steering <laughs> into the curve. What, what was your uh, cocktail of choice for National Rum Day? It's called a Dark and Stormy. Ooh, okay. Yes, that is a, a little blackstrap rum, some ginger beer, and a twist of lime. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's actually awesome in a very hot and muggy Atlanta evening. There you go. Now, is that uh, is is that a thirst quencher? Yeah, absolutely. Those are the most dangerous ones I found. Those mm-hmm. are the most dangerous. That's why I always like drinking whiskey because, like, you know something bad is happening, right? <laughs> you can, you can, you can, you can feel it. Like, okay, there's no way this ends well. That's what yeah. I like about tequila. Tequila is a very honest buzz, right? You're like, this is gonna end with me on top of a cop car uh, twerking. <laughs> <laughs> twerking that's awesome <laughs> like tequila is the let's go crazy uh hallucinogen but like yeah. with rum when you start drinking like those hurricanes and i tell you what goes down smooth is like those uh those rum and cokes good yep. lord in heaven that's good see that lord. it sneaks up on you all of a sudden you wake up and you're like i am hammered yep well you know speaking of twerking did you see all the uh nonsense that Malik Malia Obama got for going to Lollapalooza and getting twerking caught on camera? No. No. See? This is fantastic. Already, this show is, we are off to the races. No, 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 no. No, 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 we're talking about the president's daughter was twerking? Yes, yes. She actually actually skipped the Democratic National Convention. So she took a whole bunch of nonsense for missing Hillary Clinton's historic speech. And then, of course, she goes to Lollapalooza and has a complete gaggle, right, of Secret Service personnel with her. And so That's there's great. this ring of Secret Service personnel. And there's Malia and a couple of her friends. And she was wearing some shorts with, like, some kind of, like, skirty thing with it. She starts twerking and pops up the back of her skirt. So, oh, my God, the interwebs just went into a complete meltdown about the unpresidential child behavior of this 18-year-old child who would rather be gasped at Lollapalooza than the Democratic National Convention with a bunch of 60-year-olds. I have never, ever loved the first family more. <laughs> I think I, the, the best thing I think Barack Obama has done in the last eight years is say, yeah, go be a kid, sweetie. You know, I swear to God, that makes me so happy. That makes me so 
happy. <laughs> like occasionally something like that, that one just dropped in the lap, right? I, there is, I have faith in humanity. I have faith in humanity that yep. this girl had the wherewithal and the knowledge uh, to say this is more important (laughs) (laughs) than some speech. I love it. I celebrate that. That that was one of my favorites in the last week or so. That's the best. What I wonder who was playing. I wonder who she was dancing to. You know, I they said the name of the band. I've never heard of it. I have no recollection of what it was, but it was some kind of techno music, I think. Uh oh, I can already hear Andrew typing. Andrew's like typing trying to find it. But you know what? You, you, right? America wants to know, but that's like, I don't want to like shine too much of a spotlight on it. It's just awesome that she did it and she should be able to be a kid and she should be able to uh, do Lollapalooza. Take her to Burning Man. Yeah, it ended up on our daily dose. I liked it so much. Oh my gosh, and I totally missed it. <laughs> I'm horrible. It's been crazy busy here at uh, Loftus Party World Headquarters, currently located in Long Island. Long the, Island. Uh, yeah, Long Island. The Kevin James show is coming along very well. It's going to be a funny show. Um, it's wonderful. So so uh, that's great. Malia Obama at Lollapalooza. Do you Mac have any information? Miller. She was uh, twerking to Mac Miller. Matt Miller. Mac Miller. Like Mac Miller. I yeah. feel like an old man. I have no idea who Mac Miller is. You'll, you'll like him. Check him out on YouTube. He's got some awesome stuff up there. Good stuff. Now, Good now stuff. I'll have to go do that. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got a full boat of stuff that we want to get uh, on today. Like the the uh, that story was fantastic. I, I think that here's the other big one that everybody's talking about right now: the Olympics, the opening <laughs> ceremony for the Olympics. Now I've heard stuff. I, it's always weird with with the media. You have to filter through what's really going. I didn't see it. I didn't see it, so I'm just going off of rumor and innuendo. I've heard, like, body parts have been washing up on the beach. Uh, yeah, Rio is a kind of scary, like, place. I I used to travel for business to Brazil and literally would get picked up in the airport and shuttled an hour away to stay somewhere. Um, you just, as a woman, you don't walk around Rio. You just don't. And the best article I saw... Um, in addition to body parts and other things, was that 12,000 Brazilian hookers and escorts have shown up at the vortex in Rio of the games. And it's not illegal. Prostitution is not illegal in Rio. Um, And they are all looking to make, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I remember years ago, I forget which Olympics it was, but I, I was writing on a TV show, and one of the writers found this article just about the condoms that are handed out to like the Olympic athletes, right? Yep. I mean, it's a it's a totally sexually charged environment, and I can totally get that. Like, if I trained my entire life and I was in the best physical shape of my life, and I'm like 22 years old, and I'm just like a Greek god on earth, and I just won a gold medal, I would totally, I'd be hitting on everything that walked. <laughs> <laughs> That's well. What- I mean, That's why just, I always feel sorry for gay people who go into the military, right? Like you're you're in high school, you're a dude, and you're like, uh-oh, there's a chance that I'm going to be a homosexual. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to join the army uh, and try to man up. And then you're surrounded by a bunch of other dudes who are on the best shape of their lives, and you got to shower together. It's like out of the frying pan into the fire. Oh, my God. That was completely random. <laughs> Right. But like, yeah, but like when talking about like, uh oh, there's prostitutes descending on the Olympic Village. Yeah, they're going to make a fortune. They're going to make a fortune. Now, who else is going to make money? 
uh, the International Change Bank, right? Because you're going to bang some Russian athlete and he's going to pay you in Russian money, but you live in, in Europe. So you're going to need that exchange bank. So, you like yep. to have at the airport where you convert like a, a lira to U.S. dollars? Mm-hmm. So, Michael, I actually I have some bad news for you on that subject. What is it? Uh, the Brazilian government has actually stepped in and done everything they can to keep the prostitutes away from the Olympians. Oh, I'm telling you, they're not doing a very good job. They featured one in the UK Daily Mail. There was 23 pictures of her, and she was talking all about the money she's already making. (laughs) You know, I I feel like that's sort of a bad business step, though. It's like, if you're a prostitute, is that something you want to talk about? Do you really want to have a lot of notoriety coming towards you if that's what your job is? Um, I you think she I... actually gave out contact information in case anyone was traveling to Rio. Oh. <laughs> and in a weird way, whenever, whenever, um, whenever prostitutes do this, like they'll do it at at uh, political conventions. You know, hey, look at all the prostitutes that are hanging out at the Republican. It's like they're actively trying to point out the hypocrisy. You people think you're better than we are. Well, guess what? I'm a prostitute, and business is booming at the insert blank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big sporting events championship games yep difference yeah. is it's illegal here it's legal in brazil and when asked about law enforcement the one they interviewed said cops what do i need to fear from the cops cops are my clients i went oh my god <laughs> that's fantastic now here's the other the other complaint i'm hearing today is like nbc your official home for the olympics they were cutting away like every five minutes to commercial i guess twitter was just blowing up like saying that, like, hey, there's some kind of sporting event that's interrupting my commercials. Yeah. Well, and not only that, the Olympic Committee said yesterday, you know, those nifty little videos you put out on the Twitters called GIFs? Yes. You know, and you make them of, like, Hillary Clinton when she makes a funny face at a speech or whatever, and you have a good giggle. Apparently, there are to be no GIFs made of Olympic athletes or the Olympic ceremonies because they're so afraid they're going to get portrayed in a negative light. They just don't even want that. When somebody tells me I can't make a GIF of something, it has never made me want to learn how to make a GIF more in my life. I know. I know. Me too. Like, I just want to do that now because somebody said I can't. We were those right? kids in high school. We were totally those kids in high school. What? 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 what I were can't? Say? Right? Right? I'm not allowed to do this? Well, here I go. Watch me. Hold my beer. Um, <laughs> what do you got, Andrew? Well, actually, something is crazy over at the Olympic Village because the International Olympic Committee has actually started suing people for using the six colored rings. Uh, in any sort of picture. So if they take a picture of their athlete, so let's say McDonald's is sponsoring an athlete and they take a picture of the athlete and they have the Olympic rings on them in any place, the IOC has actually taken steps to remove that picture and threaten to sue people. And now big corporations are afraid to even use the word Olympics because they don't want to get sued, which is the... It's it's insane. Yes, and this is where you get like... I can see where the Olympic Committee, they want to do a trademark protection. They want to copyright everything. But when you start getting into, like, frivolous lawsuit territory, ultimately that'll make the corporate sponsors want to back away. And then that will hurt Olympic uh, athletes. They won't have the sponsorship. They won't be able to train anymore. And then ultimately it hurts the Olympics. It's a closed loop. It goes bigger than that to me. The Olympic rings don't belong to the Olympic Committee. 
committee, the international committee. They belong to the world. I mean, those five rings have been on every Olympic everything since I since before I was born. That's just insane. Okay, here's what we need to find out. Who invented the Olympic rings? Who invented that symbol? I know the, I know they were I know is it, no, I I think they were used back in the Nazi uh, Germany Olympics. That's my favorite Olympics. Uh, yeah, he said, you, you I'm, being, like I'm being sarcastic. You you like Jesse. You did a whole just, American wise ass on him. That just cracked me up. You know, when somebody's like, you know, who represents uh, when they did the Olympics in Germany in like 1936, who represents goodwill towards man? Who represents the true spirit of human nature? Oh, uh, Nazi Germany. Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other the other choice this year was actually Chicago. Oh, what a disaster. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever driven in downtown Chicago, and I, I've lived there and, and worked down there, um, the amount of traffic that the Olympic Games generates, I mean, you just would have been sitting on your car on 55 for two weeks. Yeah. One <laughs> might say that the Olympic Committee dodged a bullet when they didn't go to Chicago. Maybe huh? not, though, because huh? bullets are flying in Rio. Oh. <laughs> are bullets flying in Reno, Rio, too? I said Reno. I'm sure they're flying some... in Reno, but nobody wants to go to Reno. No, Reno's terrible. But no, I saw something last night that a Chinese athlete was delayed due to being caught in the middle of a shootout in Rio de Janeiro or something. I guess yes, some para paraplegic, <laughs> paraplegic athlete got mugged in Rio. That's yeah. just like, man, oh, man. Now, here's well, and a one fun... got kidnapped. One got kidnapped and had to pay the police gratis to let him go. Oh, that's great. That's great when you yeah. when you get kidnapped and you have to pay the police a bribe to get to your event. Yeah, I forget what I forget what country he was from, but I read that earlier this week. I'm like, seriously, this seems to be under great control. This just this seems like it's going really well so far. There, there's a hunk of Illinois that comes, uh, or, or Indiana that comes dangerously close to Chicago. And yes. uh, years ago, years ago, Chicago was making a play for the Olympics, and they built. Um, like a kayaking course, mm -hmm. right? And this is in Indiana. And I was playing a comedy club there. And here's the coolest thing ever. Of course, Chicago didn't get the Olympics, but every weekend, uh, the city would open up the, the water gates, you know, the, the gates mm -hmm. that held back the river, and this kayak course would get activated. And for like five bucks, you could rent a raft all day long, and they would take you back and forth, and you could ride the rapids of this kayak course. It was the most fun ever. <laughs> and cheap. Oh, my gosh. It was the best. The same yeah. thing in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho, it's not an Olympic course, but for like five bucks, you can go flo float the Boise River in a raft. It is the most fun. And that's actually crazy or not. It is actually a clean waterway. The Boise River is actually in pretty good shape. I celebrate I just, clean rivers. Can I just ask you, because we used to do that in the river in Sacramento, the American yeah. River, um, except we didn't have to pay, and we brought our own inner tubes, and we brought one that you put the cooler of beer in the middle. Absolutely. Can you do that on the Boise River, too? Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, and the, yeah, and it's really clean water, and it flows really fast, and the uh, the god of the river needs a sacrifice. It will either take your hat, it will take a flip-flop, it will take a couple of beers, but you just have to say, well, there you go. Now the river gods are happy and we can have the, the rest of our day in fun. Last bit of good Olympic news, though. The location is horrible. They don't have good control. They got locked out of the uh, Olympic Stadium there. They actually had to break in because somebody lost the key. So a lot of weird stuff in Rio. But in the U.S., a bill passed the Senate 
and is working its way through the House that says Olympic athletes no longer need to pay tax on their medal wins. So it used to be if you went, you were that 22-year-old kid that spent your entire life training and your parents made sacrifices and you made sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera. Once you won, you came back here and got taxed. Are you kidding me? I am not even kidding you. Like the, the federal tax on a gold medal win, I think, was estimated to be something like $9,200. So a great senator put it through the Senate. It passed unanimously. So the Democrats and the Republicans were right on this one. This is awesome. And now the same bill is working its way through the House. So our athletes will not have to declare their gold medals, silver medals, and bronze medals when they come home. That's beautiful. That is that is, but like, how long was this tax in place? Forever. So Michael Phelps, oh my gosh, I wonder what that guy, <laughs> right? You're doing the math in your head exactly. right now. Yeah. I am. It was close to $70,000. Yep. Good yep. Lord, no wonder he's a drunk. <laughs> no, he's stoned all the time, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They okay. caught him with a bong. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's um, that's going into the Michaeltopia bin. That is going in the Michaeltopia bin. That's fantastic. And then I guess I guess also last night there was some uh, salute to climate change or some oh weird God. part of the ceremony <laughs> about like you've got body parts washing up on your beaches. I don't think global warming is at the top of your agenda. You have athletes getting caught in shootouts. I don't think global warming is your problem. Yeah, that is too yeah. funny. That is too funny. What were they saying? Like, uh, was it like hooray for the planet? Like up with people? Was it like a real Simpsons moment? That's what I want to know. Yeah, no, I'd have to go back and watch it because you know, yesterday was National Rum Day. We had people over. I didn't watch <laughs> the opening ceremony. This this National Rum Day sounds like it's a thing over at the Stacy Lennox household. Well, it this, it turned this year into one a or thing? year two. No, this is the first year because I just, as I was searching the, for the wild, the fun, and the crazy on the interwebs, um, it came up that it was National Rum Day. And I'm like, well, this is news. We're going to have to do something about that. So we did. A long time ago, I dated a girl who would drink dark rum on the rocks. And that's Ew. like some, yeah, that's like pirate stuff right there. That's like some, some Johnny Depp action. Oddly okay. enough, oddly enough, I learned how to make a dark and stormy at the Pirate House in Savannah, Georgia, which is, if you ever go to Savannah, Georgia, you must go to the Pirate House. I've been to Savannah. That is one of the best kept secrets on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. It is one of the most beautiful cities. That's the one that uh, Sherman didn't burn down. He gave that exactly. one to, to uh, Lincoln for his birthday. Mm -hmm. Yep. And boy, yeah. it's like Louis, it's like New Orleans. There's no container law. So if you buy a beer in Wet Willies, you can walk out and go right down to Moon River and carry your beverage with you. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a wonderful thing. And that's also that's where that book was. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Savannah, oh, John Georgia. Cusack. Uh, you got some the, love for John Cusack, Stacy? Oh, I'm a total. This was actually a, a massive Twitter conversation um, the other day. Yeah, I, I, I think I've seen every John Cusack movie ever made. And what's your Multiple favorite? Times. What's your favorite? I actually am horribly entertained by the dark humor of Gross Point Blank. I respect that. Yep, I'm a big Cohen Cohen Brothers fan too. Oh, and he's fantastic in it. Those long fight sequences—that's some of the best work they've ever done. Yeah, and just because I'm kind of a geek too, Hot Tub Time Machine sort of cracked me up. <laughs> you only saw well, that because John Cusack was in it. Didn't no, you? it's actually it's actually like culty and weird, just like uh, what was it? Better Off Dead. That was the first time I ever saw John Cusack. 
and that yeah, I want my two dollars. And so Better like off I, dead. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't thought, ask for a dime. I want my two dollars. <laughs> right. So I, I I equate hot tub time machine as the adult equivalent of Better Off Dead. You know what? That's who the Republican Party is. I want my two dollars. That's who the Tea Partiers are. I want my two dollars. And the Democrats are like, sorry, man, I don't I don't got it. I, I, I don't even have a dime. I didn't ask for a dime. I want my two dollars. <laughs> Cause it's my two dollars. I That's earned right. it. That you is have right. No right to it. <laughs> I want my two dollars. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna zig away from the uh, John Cusack love fest because I want my because I want my two dollars. And uh, there's some fallout today in the news. Uh, Donald Trump. Came out and he he uh, endorsed Paul Ryan and uh, and McCain and Ayot and Ayot. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. I have a friend whose name is Ayot, and, and they spell it the exact same way. So I don't know if it's Ayot or Ayot, whatever. So what are our thoughts on that? I say good. I say good for Donald Trump. Agreed. Way to go, buddy. Way to I endorse th- those people. I say that um, it was consistent with Ronald Reagan's eleventh commandment. Um, but I will also say this because it was National Rum Day and there was quite a firestorm on Twitter from some of Mr. Trump's most loyal supporters that are absolutely disgusted by this. Um, and a lot of conversation back and forth. I mean, I, I have to respect it as, you know, hey, you're all in the same party. You probably ought to be doing this. We shouldn't be actively cheering for someone to lose. Um, but at the same same time, I think it's going to cost him a little bit of a price with some of his supporters. A lot of them were very, very, very much. Oh, a lot of them very, very, very much support Paul Nealon in the Wisconsin one primary, which is Tuesday. I know um, that they, like Ann they think Coulter he's wonderful. Is a fan. Yeah, Ann Coulter was in Wisconsin when campaigning with Nealon when Trump did this. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> she hasn't tweeted since last time I looked. But. <laughs> <laughs> but Stacy, well, sure. isn't, Go ahead, it, isn't that ultimately kind of a moot point? Like, if he's angered a few of his supporters, the ones who are behind him are clearly in the base. Where else are they going to go? I mean, is, is anyone going to be like, well, gee, jolly willikers, I was going to support Donald Trump, but because he's now supporting Paul Ryan, I'm going to really give that Johnson Weld ticket a look. Um, his supporters are, his early supporters and people have hung through the whole primary are very dedicated. Um, some of them are very upset. I don't, I I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I, I had to, um, you know, make a few comments on it more because it was national rum day than anything else. (laughs) Um, just poking fun at some of them because they're so like, you know, somebody actually put out a website called Trump or Jesus. For those of you who think he's the second coming, please take this quiz, um, which kind of cracked me up. But, you know, I mean, I think especially with the Paul Nealon thing, because Paul Nealon has gone full, you know, support of Trump, taken some of Trump's more controversial policies and ex- Extended them up to this week saying we shouldn't be talking about a Muslim ban. We should actually be actively discussing deporting all Muslims. I mean, he he takes it and then he takes it to the next level. Right. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. Are they going to look at a Johnson Weld ticket? I don't know. Are they just going to sit there and be really mad? Maybe. Yeah. You know what? Here's the deal. I need to like uh, I love the fact that I don't know a, a, a boatload about this stuff. Like, as a comedian, I kind of want to maintain my outsider status, like I'm on the outside looking in. But do these people know that 
these are two separate elections, and that you can you can vote for uh, Paul Ryan or the other dude in that state. And then, oh look, uh, Donald Trump, he's not running for a, a, a thing in my state. He's running for president. So why does it have to be uh, one way or the other? So- it's more. It's more the whole Paul Ryan. And again, this term. We were talking before the show about terms that have just become completely meaningless because they're used constantly. Um, yeah, well, we're going to get to that. Some of the, the thing is, oh, we're all anti-establishment. Well, basically the anti-establishment comes down to anybody that's not Donald Trump. Like Ted Cruz is the establishment. Okay. Um, and so because he's now saying I endorse these people who are perceived as very establishment or very rhino republican in name only um some of them are just kind of like dude you sold out you weren't supposed to sell out you know that's kind of what it is i think more than anything here's what i think happens in politics right to your uh to your john mccain's and to your paul ryan's you're in that environment where the democrats just rule they just absolutely rule and your only way to get anything done is to like pretend to pe- play ball with them. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to get some kind of immigration policy. I'm gonna try to do some kind of good. So then you become involved in some kind of legislation, and then uh, uh, people hold that up and they go, "Oh, look at you! You were ready to make a deal with the devil." When someone like Donald Trump comes along and just says. No more. No. And that's the good that comes out. I don't I don't know if I'm making my point really well. No, I think you are, because there's actually an analysis out there that says when there was more diversity in Republicans and Democrats voting across the aisle, you know, in the Reagan years and and, and prior, that they actually got a lot more done. (laughs) And actually, Michael, to your previous point. Uh, even though people do have the option to vote on the ballot for whoever they want, 91% of all people who vote, they vote straight party ticket. Really? Yeah. That's almost as bad in my mind as the statistic that says, oh, we need change, we need change, but 93% of federal incumbents get reelected. <laughs> of course, because it's not their guy that's the problem. It's everyone else. Maybe, no, mm-hmm. may, maybe it is your guy. Maybe your guy's the problem. Well, yeah, I Ohio, Ohio never figured that about Boehner, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody else likes him, guys. Just uh, stop. Uh, and did- that's and that is exactly what I'm saying. I think that there's this like mindset, and here's the here's the the big problem. I think, and I, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The Democrats and the left always make these emotional arguments that people can wrap their heads around. Look at this poor man at the convention whose wife can't even talk. His son was killed fighting for this country. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And this poor man uh, who's a Muslim, read my copy of the Constitution. Like, they wrap themselves up in the sadness of that, yet they have... uh, not a care in the world for the Benghazi mom, you know, yep. it, until the Republicans can learn to wrap themselves up in these emotional arguments. So when you have a party that's that's, that's doing this and you find yourself in Washington and, and you just want to get stuff done, you kind of have to you have to play ball. You have to play ball. And then it hurts you politically and you're seen as a traitor. And then hopefully and that's what, like I said, that's what I like about Donald Trump, who somebody comes along and says, no, it's all rigged. It's all fixed. You know, and I, here's what I can't believe. I can't believe Glenn Beck 
is not behind Donald Trump. Because Glenn Beck, years ago on on Fox, made he said this uh, really, really beautifully about how the, our country is shifting left. We are. Uh, if you compare where we are now, where we to where we were in the 1950s, we are going left so fast it'll make your head spin. And all we're doing is just like trying to slow down uh, our descent into socialism. That's all we can hope to do. So I'm glad. I'm I'm really really glad that there's a guy like Donald Trump who's coming in and just shaking the tree and going, let's just reevaluate everything real quick. That's what I like about him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me when you look at um, just the, okay, so everybody wants to say that last week was, what's the children's book, Donald Trump's really awful, bad, very bad week. Oh, Alexander Alexander and the No Good, Horrible, Very Bad Day. That, that That was Donald Trump's week last week. But when you look at the other things that happened during that week, Hillary lied about what Comey said about her emails, like flat out lied, said she didn't really do, you know, Comey said I didn't really do anything wrong and I never lied to the American people. Okay, that's right. four Pinocchios. Um, yeah. This whole agenda around $400 million being airlifted into Iran, which goes back to the Carter administration and why did they do it then and whatever else, um, that happened. Um, Let's see what else happened on the Republican side. Oh, I was telling you before, the IRS and their targeting of conservatives out in uh, federal court in California got smacked and has to turn over information. Three DNC um, senior officials resigned over the DNC leak. I mean, none of this gets more than like a 30 second mention. And that but Donald is, Trump and- saying something caustic and this and that. I think part of it is his media, his ability to play the media and kind of control their narrative. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Mm-hmm. You have you have like artfully said something and it's beautiful and I want to celebrate it. You you encapsulated something in like 30 seconds that I was railing on for the past uh, two weeks. It's. This whole there there used to be like this conspiracy theory that the Democrats controlled the media. We now know it's true. We now know it's a fact. Like uh, that con dude, his his dead boy. God bless him. Uh, fifty six. It's a ratio of fifty six to one. People want to talk about con fifty six times compared to the one Benghazi mom. I am not cool with the corrupt media, and there's nothing Donald Trump can do about it. There's nothing he can do. Uh, he's I, just going to get demonized in the press because right, the press is crooked. Well, actually, hold on, let's Michael. Let's go back to the primary, though. He got $2 billion in free media, and much of it was not very difficult. I mean, there are tapes where, where Morning Joe was actually caught saying, can we ask you about this? Can we ask you about that during a break because it was a hot mic? And he's like, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. So he was actually with the media saying what he would and wouldn't talk about. Now, of course, we're in a, he was running against other Republicans, and Republicans are all the devils. So he got great ratings, so he could phone it into Fox and Friends. He thought that wasn't going to change. Once he was running against Hillary Clinton, and he's, and I think part of it is still him because he does generate ratings. He does generate that very, um, what would you call it, extreme reaction. You either love him or you hate him, and you're going to watch him either way. And well, so the I think everybody there's loves part to, of that, everybody loves but... to throw around this. Everybody loves to throw around this number. If he got two billion in free media, mm-hmm. now of all that media, I guarantee the majority of that was how do we stop him? How do we stop him? How do we stop him? 
Actually, the, the it major wasn't, news, it wasn't, the major it wasn't love networks, letters to Donald Trump. No, the major news networks were not really that critical of him during the primary. I think they actually wanted him to win so they could turn around and do exactly what they're doing now. They had all that oppo research during the primary. They didn't do anything with it. I saw a whole lot of how do we stop him, how do we stop him, how do we stop him. Well, actually, well, Michael, what's interesting is now where he's doing the best is mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that he's actually made nice with the RNC because when he talks with them and when he works with them and when he stays on message a little bit more than he actually does, he's obviously not going to stop being Donald Trump. But when he stays within the party message, he tends to do a lot better in the media. It's when he starts going after Kazir Khan and he makes a statement like uh, – Kazir Khan can't hold up the Constitution and say, I've never read it. He doesn't have any right to do it. That's when he starts to get himself in a little bit of trouble. Meh. I shrug my shoulders at that. I really do. I, I'm looking down the barrel of a, a level of corruption, like seriously, like state-sponsored news mm-hmm. and state-sponsored uh, political candidates, and I'm not cool with any of it. Uh, I am not cool with any of it. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that ends. And maybe I should – like literally, I woke up thinking about this till I didn't – I actually woke up thinking about other stuff. But at a one point when I, when I woke up, <laughs> oh. I, was, I was thinking about like if, uh, if Donald Trump had gone to a Jeremiah Wright church for oh my 20 God. years, for 20 years – like, like, what the heck would I like? America's it's not it's not cool that America is cool with this level of corruption. No, I mean it's people not. know they know for a fact that Hillary Clinton is corrupt. They know it for a fact. They know the DNC owns the media for a fact. They 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 know it, and they're still going to vote for her. And once we start as a society, and this is I'm talking about bigger. And here I go again. I apologize for getting up on this soapbox. I'm just so outraged by it. Like if we are cool with this, we're done as a society. We're done. And I I don't disagree with you, but I think you give your average American too much credit when you look at the total statistics. Only about 15 people. 15% of people eligible to vote in a primary actually vote. And so when you look at all the media attention and Ajita and this and that by the Bernie bros and, you know, it's rigged and this and that. And then the DNC leak, most people are really disconnected from that. And they tune in once it's the general election, we're actually going to vote for a president. Um, so I think, you know, you're very politically astute and you keep yourself, you know, invested. So does Andrew. So do I. Mm-hmm. But I think generally um, people aren't as aware of that as you might think they are. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I got, I have high hopes. I used to have high hopes for social media until until Twitter started making stories go away. Like the, the way well, they made Facebook. the DNC leak story and Facebook as well. It is really like I wonder now if I'm waking up too late. It's like being in the Matrix, right? And I just took the the pill that makes me wake up to reality, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, holy smokes, it might be too late. That's why it, I, we really have to make sure this message gets out uh, through the flip side. I'm really looking for the funny in this, for the TV show, you know, so, so people can just kind of stumble across this funny TV show and go, wow, I had no idea. Like, how do you present this fact? How do you present this fact in a humorous way when it's so just like straight up frightening? It's like just straight up scary. 
Well, and here's what I think about that's interesting about folks that are right-minded, Republican, conservative, libertarian, whatever, okay? You know, we have these completely controlled platforms, and Twitter and Facebook are private companies. They can run their business any way they want to. They can't take your free speech away because they're not the government. Only the government can do that, okay? But conservatives are bright people. Conservatives have money. You know, could could we develop a Twitter or Facebook-like platform that maybe didn't do those kinds of things because we believe in 1A? Yeah, we probably could, but we don't. We stay on the ones that are suppressing our information and, and fighting the stories that we care about because we're going to fight that instead, you know? I yeah. mean, it, it just seems to me... There's so much really fun and exciting about being on the right side of the spectrum. There's entrepreneurialism. There's idea exchanges. There's, you know, haha, you're offended, and I think it's hysterical because it is. It's funny. We have a sense of humor. We laugh at things because we're not so bound in political correctness. We believe in the individual and giving everybody the opportunity to do whatever they can do with their talents and skills. And somehow we've got to get that positive message across because the way we're painted in the general media is we hate women, we hate minorities, we hate this, we hate that. I mean, we don't hate any of that stuff. We just don't like dividing people into those little buckets. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you what, and here's here's the frustrating part. Here's the frustrating part for me as a performer uh, and as as a human being. I'm I'm cool with that. I am cool with going on Twitter and a free exchange of ideas. I literally think that uh, my ideas about freedom and liberty are better than other ideas, and I'd love to have that debate. All I'm asking for is a fair fight, mm-hmm. and I don't think I don't think you're going to get that on Twitter when when you can come up with a with an awesome solution and an awesome message, and it's articulated in the perfect way. Twitter can just make you disappear, and Facebook oh, yeah. can make you disappear. That's oh, like they can crazy, make you actually right? disappear. Robert Stacy McCain disappeared. He no longer can have an account on Twitter. Milo Yiannopoulos disappeared. He's not there. <laughs> right? Literally make you disappear. And your message. And they have to get really good at selfies because Instagram is the only place that's left for them. Yeah, well, and, and their crime in life was saying third wave feminism goes a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. So, so they need to be silenced. By mm-hmm. by who? By oh, it's just whatever. By Twitter. Uh, you, know, you know what we need to do? We need to talk to Mark Cuban. We need to talk to Mark Cuban because that guy knows the internet's and he knows uh, how to invent stuff. Let's get him to invent a new Twitter. Seriously. Yeah. Cuban can do it. He could do it in his sleep. He's got tiny little elves that do that kind of stuff. <laughs> so if you were listening to the Loftus Party and you, and you know Mark Cuban, uh, have him invent the new Twitter. Yeah, there you go. He's already got the cyber dust technology. He can do it. Absolutely. Well, and you and can tell well, this is not a popular thing because Twitter's Twitter's stock price looks kind of like the cliff that Thelma and Louise drove over. <laughs> I mean, when, when you start looking at what's happening since they have gotten so full social justice warrior, I mean, it's just like, boom, down it went. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about the media and the, the, the DNC-run media. Here's what they do. It's like a, it's like a textbook. They, they have to demonize. They spent these summer months just making uh, Trump. They you know oh, oh he's crazy. Uh, the, there's people on his set. They're suicidal. He's unfit. He, he's unfit to be president. Which uh, uh, to my young listeners out there is nothing new. They've been saying that any pr- any presidential candidate on the Republican side is unfit for like the past three cycles. 
oh no, they went way beyond unfit. Let's look at Mitt Romney. Okay, I didn't agree with. Did you all read of... that that article about? I actually read a different one on the same topic that said, uh, you know, okay. that, that the the left has so much agita about Donald Trump, right? Because they're just like, oh my God, he said what? Um, that they're trying to explain him. And so what some people finally turned around and said is, hey, it's your fault. Look what you did to the Mormon grandfather, Mitt Romney, one who who, who is actually a very good and decent person. I may not agree with all of Romney's policies. I surely went in and, and pulled a lever for him, but because I, I think he's basically a good person. But when you look at the language that the left, what was it, Chris Matthews and Ellen DeGeneres used yeah. to describe their feelings about Mitt Romney, it's t- it's crazy. Well, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. The quote, Ellen DeGeneres the quote that Ellen DeGeneres said, I, I, oh, I've never. She, she goes like, yeah, I have, I've never felt this way before in my life. But for the first time, I'm afraid to be a woman. Like, really? Really? Mitt Romney scared you to be a woman? Mitt Romney? Like, that's 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 worse than being scared by clowns. I mean, you know, Mitt Romney? He's a grandpa. He's a Mormon. Yeah. There's some of the, like, least... I, I, the, the Mormon faith, they have huge families, tons of kids. They're close-knit. They do good things in the community. They, I mean, if you look at statistics on poverty and other things in Utah... They're awesome because they take care of their communities. <laughs> somebody needs somebody needs to put together like a uh, a mashup of everyone who's unfit to be president, right? Like Mitt Romney is unfit to be president. Then you got uh, Hillary Clinton saying Barack Obama is unfit to be president, and then you got Barack saying Hillary is unfit to be president. Then you got Bernie saying Hillary's unfit to be president. Then you got everybody saying Donald Trump is unfit to be president. Okay, so everybody's unfit. That, so now you can't even say that anymore. It doesn't mean anything. No, I, it's like I everybody. Can... It's like, oh, here's a picture of Laura Ingram. Oh, look, she's a Nazi. Okay, well now here's a picture of Pocahontas, and she's a Nazi. And now here's a picture of Hillary, and she's a Nazi. Like everyone can't be a Nazi, or we're not going to be afraid of Nazis anymore. Yeah, now that's terrible. But I, I here's what I, I will put forth: Gary Busey is unfit to be president. Randy well, Quaid probably unfit to be president. <laughs> Like Randy Quaid has serious mental issues, yeah. but that's and, what uh, there there are people who are literally unfit to be president. Yes, most of the people that are accused of being unfit probably aren't. Now, what what'll happen here is like uh, uh, Gary Busey's going to run for president in twenty twenty, and no, somebody's going to go West. right. Kanye West is unfit. He to said be it president. twice now. He said it twice now. Dude was on Twitter begging for money, but he's going to run in twenty twenty. Yeah, but like if Gary Busey did run in 2020 and some like a doctor would say, no, seriously, that guy, um, he's he's missing a big hunk of his brain. Literally, he's not fit to be president. He's unfit. People go, whatever. They always say that. And then well, and crazy Gary Busey, do you get enough? I'm president of the United States. I'm Gary Busey. Let's do something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's basically what the articles I believe in the Guardian and the Mail and and, and uh, excuse me, the Daily Beast were saying. You have used these caustic terms and this hyperbole, hyperbole. That's a word um, for so <laughs> long. For so I like to, long, I like to pronounce it hyperbole. Oh, there you go. For so long, <laughs> and in circumstances where they are so inappropriate. That they are meaningless. I mean, I have been called a racist for eight years because I disagree with Barack Obama on the vast majority of everything he does, other than letting Malia go to Lollapalooza. Um, ding, ding. 
ding, ding. So, but because I disagree with him and his politics and his policies, I'm clearly a racist. I only do that because he's black. No, I do that because he's a mouth-breathing progressive. Yes. <laughs> and isn't that is that the is that the last refuge of of scoundrels? Is that racism? The last refuge of scout or oh, or is that, lies? Something is having, the last refuge. No, if you're having a conversation with someone on Twitter about Barack Obama's administration's policies or actions, and they run, they can't argue with you anymore. Then they just you're a racist. So yeah. that's the last refuge, and then you just let's, say, let's spend a wow. couple minutes. Let's let's spend a couple minutes on the uh, four hundred million dollar hostage payment, where where Obama came out the next day and he's like, that wasn't a hostage payment. Like that was just that dude has balls, has balls. Well, I mean, there is some it was first reported back in January um, that this payment was made. Yes, and this that we're does gonna, we're go back start giving them to, some yeah, money. That, that right? does. No, not not some money. The hundred and fifty billion that went around along with the Iran deal. This goes back to the Carter administration and something that has been in front of international tribunals as an argument about losses Iran suffered during the sanctions under the Carter administration. This has been under debate for years. Iran originally came in asking for $10 billion. The $400 million is actually a settlement. Now, how it was paid, when it was paid... really skeevy and it it does it certainly plays into what was going on between our country and their country at the time but that 400 million actually goes back to something that happened a long time ago okay okay when it was what you just did insane. what what you just did mm-hmm. and and what barack obama did in my mind is the uh, the definition of putting lipstick on a pig here's what i know there was uh, a bunch of americans on a tarmac and they're told you're going to leave the country, but you got to wait for a little bit. You got to wait for a little bit. And the Americans are like, "Why do we have to wait?" And the Iranians are like, "Just hold on and wait." Then another plane shows up with four hundred million dollars in like Swiss francs, and then okay, we got our money. You can leave. That's that's a hostage negotiation. There's no way to say it's anything else. When no. we get our when we get our money, we'll let you go. That is the definition of a ransom payment. And that's what I'm saying. By the timing and the method, whoa, dude, what's going on there? But that $400 million was going to get paid at some point. I have less problem with the amount because it was going to happen. I have a problem with the way it was done. Absolutely. I would have made I would have made uh, the uh, Iranians go to a Western Union in a real <laughs> sketchy part of town at some <laughs> shitty little supermarket and wait. And then we would just uh, we would just wire them the money. Well, and, and let I them mean, run to their car and afraid to get it, smoked. What's even we worse? We should have if, sent them to Rio. We should have sent them to the Rio Olympics and had them wait at a Western Union office <laughs> and then let them get ripped off on their way back to Olympic Village. Well, and I think the, the real conversation that people have completely forgotten about is, duh, um, John Kerry, why couldn't you get this done in the negotiations of the original deal? This shouldn't have even been an issue. You don't, you don't enter into treaties with countries that keep your people under false pretenses. You know, it's almost I mean, as if insane. it's almost as if that deal we got with Iran was a farce, was a complete and total. Oh my farce. God! Do you think? Yeah. Do you think? I yeah, blame it I, on Vladimir Putin. 
Yeah, I blame Putin for hacking those emails. And oh my gosh, the balls on the Democrats. Like, they never want to talk about the contents of the WikiLeaks. They're just like, I bet it was the Russians who did it. I bet it was the Russians because they want Trump to be president. Like, hey, I mean, they, morons. They don't talk about it, but they take action based on it and then make sure nobody knows about it. So, like, three DNC staffers, senior ones, got axed. Debbie Washerman Schultz got axed, but we're not going to talk about that. I cannot wait to be a guest on Hardball with Chris Matthews. Oh. And Chris Matthews is going to ask me a question, and I'm like, now, is, is is it you that wants to know, or is this like Donna Brazil wants to know? I just want to know. <laughs> Am I answering to you, or should I just say, well, thanks for that question, Donna. Right. I, and, and you know I'm going to do it. You know I'm going to do it. And I'm going to give Chris to, Matthews what? You used to say you kind of like watching Chris Matthews. I do like Chris Matthews. And you know yeah. what? I'll say this. And I think Chris Matthews loves America, right? Mm-hmm. I really do. And I, I, I think that when confronted, no one would be more outraged by this information than Chris Matthews. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at uh, 30 Rock or wherever they do uh, hardball when Chris Matthews saw the WikiLeaks. That, that, I tell you what, I'm sure he's furious about it. You know, and I want to, I want to, I want to hold a mirror up and go, "Hey, you, you're a quote unquote journalist. Do you want to be? Do you want to be a reporter in this kind of society? Is this where you want to do your journalism?" Yeah, the one that broke my heart was Jake Tapper because I never viewed him as a bomb thrower until the mm-hmm. DNC leak. The one person I will say that I think in the last year has kind of risen above the fray and is trying to take other than people like Cheryl Atkinson, who who take their profession very seriously. And we love her. Um, and we love her. She's awesome. Yes, but we do. if you look at the major networks, the one person that I have been super, super um, impressed with is, is Brett Bear. I tell you what. And, and here's the thing. I'm impressed by Brett Bear, and then who's that little? Um, she looks like a an elf on Fox News with the dark hair, really short. And when she talks, she's got a vein in her neck that just goes like total, just blamo. I have no idea. <laughs> she did all the Benghazi stuff. Um, uh, she's like an investigative journalist over at oh, Fox News, Judith and she was Miller? the one. No, no, no. This woman, she's really pretty. Not that Judith Miller isn't, but this woman is really pretty. She's got really short, dark hair. And she was like the lead reporter oh, oh, on Ben Oh, I know who you're talking about, and I can't think of her name. Oh. Uh, she's gorgeous, and she's awesome. But whenever she talks, she has this vein in her neck that you literally think is going to explode. I mean, it gets so big. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like I mean, unnerving. You know, it's like, come on, guys. Everybody's so partisan. And, you know, sorry, Sean Hannity got drunk the other night and was calling people assholes on Twitter that don't agree with him. You know, That's awesome. As so- That's awesome. I know, I but as somebody – I, 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 I get that, but when somebody comes at Brett Baer and says, you're totally partisan, you're totally this, you're totally that, he actually says, can you tell me why you think that? Because I, I try very hard to be fair. You know, yeah. I mean, and when you see him report, it's straight news. He gives you both sides of the story. I, I see him as one of the last nonpartisan commentators. I mean, Sean Hannity James is... James Rosen. Mm, yes, love James, James Rosen. James Rosen does good reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. and you and you know he's good and, because his phone was tapped. <laughs> Major Garrett from ABC. 
Uh, yeah, Major Garrett used to be a mm-hmm. Fox News guy. It's yeah, really but he's crazy. over there now, but he uh, he's the one that got completely blasted by the Obama administration for asking what I just said. Why are our hostages still in Iran? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was raked over the coals, but he'd do it again. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Okay, we this one has gone uh, very, very fast. I'm looking over my notes to see what I wanted to talk about. Ooh, we wanted to uh, donate a little bit of time to the the down ticket ballots. You had something about that. I can't even find the name of the Republican that's running Kamala. for the Senate. Cal- Kamala no, Harris. she's a Democrat. Okay. Like, uh, you know, uh, you go to real clear politics. So I'm looking at down ticket races and, and you know, we've got a shot at Harry Reid's Senate seat. But every yeah. other race that the Republicans hold is like in a dead heat. That's a problem. We need to keep the Senate. But I was looking up California because I know boxers are retiring. I can't find the Republican candidate well, that's who's running. Ca- that's because there isn't one. Uh, California. There was a primary on June 7th, yeah. though. Can- California has a top two system. So the people in the primary who come in number one and number two are the ones who go to the runoff. And if that's two Democrats, which was the case here, that's oh who God. goes after it. So it's Kamala Harris and it's L- uh, Lorena Sanchez. Oh my God, Kamala Harris is like the devil incarnate, and I'm I'm not saying that in the vein of she's unfit to be president. She is like a fascist. So hold up a second. That doesn't sound like a good recipe for democracy. Like no. if you don't, so it's, so not. it's not. It's not even the lesser of two evils. It's just evil. You can't vote for a Republican for Senate? Well, what happened was there were nine people running. There were two Democrats. It was Kamala Harris and Lorena Sanchez. And then there were seven Republicans running in the primary. And then the top two people who came out of the primary were the ones who got to go to the general. And in this case, none of the Republicans made it into the top two. So the top two Democrats are the ones who go to the runoff. I tell you what, the system's rigged. It's I don't even rigged. understand that system, but Kamala Harris wants to punish people who don't um, believe in climate this, change. Believe in climate change, using the court system to go after corporations like Exxon and and other ones, and 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 the Koch brothers organization. She she tried to get Americans for Prosperity and some other conservatives to give up their donor lists under this guys that's completely ridiculous really just so you know michael when you said you had to go into different voting booths depending on what party you were voting for i mean just another way to target people in california for wrong thoughts um kamala harris being in the senate and it looks like she's probably gonna be gives me like panic attacks here's a frightening (laughs) story and i've told it on the podcast before but it's one of those moments where you feel like atticus finch in to kill a mockingbird I'm on stage with – no, I'm, I'm on stage and I'm doing that like political debate thing. It was a comedy show and it was me and Hal Sparks. I was on the right. Hal Sparks was on the left. I'm in a very like liberal bar on Melrose and I let the people know. I'm like, hey, do you know that the LA Times, if you don't agree with climate change, they won't publish your letter in the op-ed section. They refuse to publish, publish a letter from anyone who disagrees with them and the audience was into it and they applauded. Like, yay, yay, good. Like, really? You can't question science? What is this? Like, is this like the Spanish the, the, the Spanish Inquisition? You oh, can't question science? Salem Witch Hunt is probably a better 
analogy. It's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. This one Welcome is going to great. America with a K. Andrew, we got to get you in on the Michael Topias here. Do All you right. have anything? I do. It's time. It is that time of the show. We're, we're bringing it home, people. Uh, Michael Topia is a wonderland where everything works perfectly because there are rules to Michael Topia. Now, ordinary life, uh, regular life on planet Earth doesn't make sense. But Michaeltopia does, because we have rules like this one from Andrew Apple. In Michaeltopia, nobody loses their mind when ABC News comes out with a report that they can't verify saying that the RNC is going to kick Donald Trump out of the race. Donald Trump isn't dropping out of the race. No one's trying to kick him out of the race. There was no meeting of any substance. Everyone can calm down. Good one. Okay, I've got some wackadoodle ones. Um, in Michaeltopia, we have a ceremony on TV every four years where disgraced athletes give their Olympic medals back. If you get caught for doping or using <laughs> steroids, we have a parade, there are theme songs, and you have to walk through a stadium and hand your medal back. However, uh, in, in light of, of recent events, you do get your tax dollars back. If you had to pay. <laughs> oh, there you go. Grand, you had, <laughs> there's an exchange. You give your medal back and a government official will hand you back your, your nine grand. That which, you now that, which now that you don't get a medal, you'll be taxed on next year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> do, you, do you have another one, Andrew? I do. In Michaeltopia, we don't try to get movie critics fired just because they don't agree with you on whether or not the movie is good. I'm looking at you, guy, who started a Change.org position complaining about the fact that critics didn't like Suicide Squad, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say I actually enjoyed. Have you seen it? I did. I saw it last night. I think it definitely had some issues. Um, I, I think that uh, there was some studio interference, and they kind of wanted to turn it into Ghostbusters at certain points. But uh, as a whole, better than Batman v Superman. Here's the add, thing. I would Here's add the to thing. Andrew. This, go ahead. Go ahead, Stacey. And Michael Topia, change.org does not exist. <laughs> okay. There will That's be no more one. petitions to get people you don't like arrested for things that aren't illegal. <laughs> Here's here now. Here's here's one of the problems with with a uh, a government organization that controls the media. It affects every aspect of your life. There is now a weird thing where all of these critics are panning the movie, but the stu but the audiences that see it are giving it like a B plus. It's doing very well with audiences. So why are all of these critics universally panning it? Unless money is being changed, you know, is it Marvel Studios that's telling them to pan it? Is there some home? Is is this rigged too? All right, so I'm gonna go complete conspiracy theorist on you right now. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Executive producer of Suicide Squad is a guy named Stephen Nutchkin, major okay. major Donald Trump fundraiser. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Oh, I'm just thinking. Like, look. There was uh, payolas in the old game shows. They actually made a movie about it. Remember that? I think it was called Game Show. It was called uh, tw uh, Quiz Show. Quiz Show, yeah, where it was rigged. And in old-timey radio, they would there was pay-to-play. Like, I will give you this money if you play this rock and roll song more. We'll make it a hit record. I, I, I think 
I don't even blink when I think about it. Like, yep, there's these poor uh, film critics who are, are getting money or getting favors or favored nation status if they pan this movie. I just I, think I, to some degree, like, the fans of comic book um, storylines and stuff are very invested in those storylines and those characters. And they enjoy the depiction on the big screen where a lot of critics are kind of, like, not as invested in those things. Because I know I – know, my kids are of an age where they're hugely invested um, in the uh, Captain America yeah. and all that franchise. You know, critics could pan one of those movies and they're still going to go see it and they're probably still going to like it. Yeah, and then here's the problem. And I'm pro- I've am i probably said it before and I'll end up saying it again. The problem always comes – here's where the problem starts. When the filmmakers think they know more than the people who wrote the actual source mm-hmm. material – When you stick to the source material, you never have a problem. Look at the success of Lord of the Rings. Boom. No one complained about that. Harry Potter. None of the fans. None of the fans. Yep, you stick to the source material and you're fine. Okay. And in Michaeltopia, we celebrate people who love comic books and we celebrate entrepreneurs. I read today that if you are a hot chick and you go to cosplay events, and you are wearing a nice outfit, you can make six figures a year. What? Yes! Absolutely. People who want to get their picture taken with you, through your YouTube fan base, through uh, people who want to support you. There are people, there are women, professional cosplay girls, who are are pulling down close to $200,000 a year. Good for them! Only in America, baby. That's exactly... I love it. Okay, I have one more. Do the dudes make money like that, too? No. No? No. No. (laughs) See, that's what's... There need to be more female fans, I guess. That's right. That is right. We gotta get that started. You're you're in charge of that, Stacey. Alright. And to to close this one out, in Michaeltopia, if your rivers and waterways are choked with garbage and human body parts, you're not allowed to talk smack (laughs) about global warming. Yeah, you have to take a pass on that until you can get the body parts and garbage out of your oceans and rivers. You guys, it was so much fun. What a great show. I'm going to go ahead and nominate this one for a Hall of Fame. Uh, Stacy, Andrew, let's do it again next week. Sounds good. I'll be here. Okay. That's wonderful. All right. This is the theloftestparty.com. Uh, it's, it's the wonderful show that America's talking about. Go to uh, Andrew Andrew Apple. You have a podcast. Let's tell the folks about that one. I do. In the vein of Suicide Squad, in which Will Smith was the best darn thing in it, I have a podcast called So Fresh, So Prince, where a buddy of mine and I are sitting down week by week and rewatching every episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, talking about how it holds up and giving you a whole hunk of 90s nostalgia goodness. Check us out. We actually have a website now, SoFreshSoPrince.com. Stacy. What yeah. do you got? What do you want to promote? Oh, wow. Well, uh, I have a, a three-time-a-week podcast on K, uh, at KLRN Radio. We did we did get call letters, so woohoo! Um, wow. And, yeah, I know. And we also are up in the greater Philly area called Game On with my co-host, JD. Um, we take a little bit unorthodox approach to the news and the politics with a whole bunch of really crazy sound effects and loud music so he is a lunatic and i support his endeavors okay <laughs> so those are the shows that we got go to the loftestparty.com and and pick up some merch pick up some swag i'm gonna get one of those shoulder bags because uh we are right and we smile more have a great week and we will see you right back here 
uh, at the Loftus party next week. Peace!